Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Bear Necessities podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and with me is my co-host, Reese. Reese, how are you feeling getting back on the pod after a little bit of a hi- hiatus from us? Yeah, you know, the common uh, Bear Necessities hiatus. <laughs> you know, I think we can take the title of the most inconsistent <laughs> Chicago Bears football podcast, and, I'll, you know, I'll gladly accept it. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll rule that title, that's for sure. Yeah. That, that is the one thing we are best at. Yeah. Yeah. being inconsistent which um but yeah we're gonna actively try to change that you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna kick those old habits but you know life gets busy things come up holidays stuff like that but uh yeah man definitely uh happy to hop back on it's uh interesting after a 3 and 14 season to say that you know you're in a happy place with the team but man it's kind of hard not to be positive about the, the chicago bears right now well, let me just say this. I, I think if the good news is for you guys, our entire take on the team probably didn't shift for like the last like seven weeks of the season. Uh, they kind of rolled out the exact same product that you expected every <laughs> single week. Uh, so, yeah, you didn't miss too much from us. And, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to do our part. Maybe the Bears, maybe they can do their part by putting together an interesting team for us to watch every once in a while uh, and not have to go through, you know, four years of Matt Nagy, you know. All the years with Cutler, two years of Trestman, four years of Fox. Uh, need I continue? <laughs> no, no, I, I think that's good. We get the picture. <laughs> All right. All right. But we're moving on. And we actually think there is a bright future with the Bears. But, you know, just to get us a little more, you know, up to date, back in the groove of things, I think it's important for us to talk a little bit about the team as a whole and kind of just our season recap. Uh, if you guys didn't know, the Bears did, in fact, lose to the Minnesota Vikings in a game where I was honestly deathly scared we'd win it, even though we had <laughs> Peterman in it. And I think Ryan Poles was, too, because when Peterman started, you know, slinging it a little bit, he pulled Peterman and put out. I don't even remember who he put out there. Oh, Boyle uh, or, or fourth something, string. I believe. Boy, Tim Boyle. Yeah. Tim Boyle. He's like, uh-uh. He's like, we're not winning this game. <laughs> yeah. And so, so uh, we're keeping it tight, surprisingly, with the defense and uh yeah, and, and we ended up losing the game, thankfully. And then uh, immediately, kind of even as the game was going on, I was paying a lot more attention to the Houston Texans game, as I'm sure a lot of Bears fans were as well. And, uh, man, to see the Texans start blowing away a, a big lead they have on the Colts, but then the ending in such an insane fashion, um, that, that'll definitely be a moment I'll remember being a Bears fan is watching us get the number one overall pick. And uh, another reason for us to be thankful for Lovey Smith. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, uh, you know, happy for Lovey and the job that he did and the sacrifice that he made or, or maybe didn't make because it seemed like he was probably already going to get fired because, you know, Texans are going to Texans. But, yeah, it was a real interesting moment, I think, in Bears fandom as well. Um, <laughs> it was quite interesting. I know that we don't really necessarily shout out a lot of other podcasts. You know, we're pretty prideful in ourselves and all that. But I will say that, you know, I did get a kick out of uh, out of Will DeWitt getting kicked out of uh, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis <laughs> for celebrating so hard for the, uh, the tank bowl that was going on over there in Indy, which... 
you know, of course, we, we have a little bit of a, a cross lineage with uh, the old Chicago Audible podcast when we uh, featured Nicholas Moriano uh, and now a, now a yeah. beat reporter uh, for the Chicago Bears um, and CHGO is a little rebranding that they did. But man, yeah, that was wild, wild to, to track as a fan. Um, what a game of highs and lows too. it looked like in the first half. Um, definitely full of confidence as a Bears fan looking at the job that the Texans were doing. They fell behind, and, man, just the most improbable of comebacks, you know, the multiple fourth-down conversions uh, to get it done, and then the ballsy uh, two-point conversion going for it. And, uh, man, the rest is history. You know, first uh, first time the Bears had the first overall pick since, I believe, 1947. Yep. Yeah, and uh, it it couldn't come at a more – impactful time uh before we even get into the team i have to say i think this and i'm trying to think back like year by year i think this bears team and this might just be a completely biased take i think this is like actually the best first overall pick team that i think i've probably ever witnessed uh being a sports fan that's fair i mean it's fair i'd have to to pour back through um, you know, some of the recent teams, but at least the teams that jump out at you. Um, yeah, you'd certainly think so, especially in the way that they got the first overall pick. I mean, there's been a couple teams that have blown it recently. Of course, like it's very notable for the Jets, yeah. what they did a couple of years oh, yeah. back. And of course that ended up landing them Zach Wilson. <laughs> um, but <laughs> you know, there's, there's definitely, it, it's usually like you have a front runner for the first overall pick and it definitely looked like the Texans were that this year. Um, but you know, a bears 10 game losing streak later, which is definitely pretty shameful, but like you had said, I mean, a lot of them were kind of close games. I think that eight of them were one score games. Yeah, exactly. Within, and most of them within a point or two. And down the stretch, like we knew that this schedule was going to be hard uh, towards the end of the season, especially when we were kind of projecting how the season was going to play out way back, you know, during the preseason in August. And, you know, as we were talking through training camp and all that was wrapping up. Um, we definitely pointed out, you know, that stretch for uh, November, December really is just being, you know, a gauntlet and, uh, it proved to be that way. And I think that, you know, even like a team like the Eagles that we probably didn't expect to be as good as they were, you know, it was a situation where the bears played competitively, uh, against what ends up being, you know, the, the best team record wise in the national football league for the regular season. So, Man, just an unbelievable year, honestly. I think it's it's hard to even put into words. Um, like you said, it was quite mundane at the end, especially it was just kind of like, all right, so it's going to be another loss. The Bears will probably play them tight. Um, maybe they'll have the lead in the first yeah. half, but they'll probably blow it. And that's how it how it worked out for the majority of the, especially the last half of the season. And we are, this is a team that, is extremely close to not only not having the first overall pick, but having a, a much higher pick in the draft. I mean, we're talking yeah. about a Chase Claypool uh, uh, pass interference call away from being significantly higher up. You know, uh, Justin Fields getting injured in the game against the Falcons. You know, uh, the pat like the Bears. <laughs> going into a complete shell against the Packers when being up big on them. Yeah. And uh, it, 
and many times this season, it almost felt like after the Bears got the league lead, they weren't insistent on winning it. I'm not going to make a big like statement like, oh, the Bears were trying to trying to lose. No, I don't think that was the case. But I think that the Bears lost in the right way. And Ryan Poles really understood that even though the defense was the better unit going into this year, I would say, um, that it would be the most beneficial if the defense lost this games. Because, and we talked about this on the podcast, if, if the defense was losing this games, a defense isn't something that you can't fix. But if the offense and Justin Fields was performing poorly and that's what was losing us games, yeah, that'd be a huge issue. So, I, you know, I, Ryan Poles would like to say that he's mad about us losing games. I'm sure he is to a certain extent. But when you trade away Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn and, you know, Khalil Mack all in one off season, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that is exactly what Ryan Poles did. Um, and, you know, the tank year was successful. Finally, this might be the first time I can ever say I felt like the Bears went all in on a plan. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say, too, I think one of the more refreshing parts, especially, you know, when we're talking on upper management um, perspective and, and we think about all the years, of course, before this year, this podcast entirely, um, you know, Ryan Pace was the GM uh, for all the other episodes that we had done up until this season. Yep. And man, think about all the episodes we clamored for in season moves, trades, such yep. things like that. And man, we got him. We got him this year. You know, Ryan polls really showed that he's not afraid to be an active participant in the trade market. Um, free agency. There was nothing too crazy, but there were still signings in season. Um, I can't exactly remember when they acquired and Keel Harry, but I think it was late on um, kind of like pre preseason, you know, heading yep. right into the year, that kind of border time. They tried to add Amir Smith Marset during the season. That didn't work out. They cut him. There was a bunch of players that kind of just got rotated in throughout the season. And I think from an evaluation perspective as well, that was refreshing where it's like, okay, we're not watching the same guys week in week out. We got to see a bunch of new faces yeah. Um, the fans got some new fan favorites and, you know, whether for better or for worse, you know, I think that some of the admiration for a player like Jack Sanborn is a little overblown, not saying that he can't even be a starter in this league. I think that he can be. Um, but you know, we, we got so many new faces that, you know, fans are already attaching themselves to players that were, you know, undrafted free agents or, or things like that. So it was really, really wild, but I'm definitely happy with how active the bears were. Um, and they were just sensical moves too. But like you said, they, they knew how this season was going to pan out after the deadline. Um, you don't get rid of two defensive captains and, and think that the same level of play is going to be sustained. Um, especially for that particular unit. And, uh, yeah, it cost them. I mean, the defense was pitiful, uh, for most of the year. Um, Outside of obviously some obvious bright spots, mainly in the secondary, um, maybe only in the secondary, <laughs> and Jack Sanborn. That's probably it. Yeah, and and this is what I'm gonna say. Also, if you don't, okay, Robert Quinn was obviously a huge success. Like that trade, there's no way, shape, or form. Like the Eagles would go back on that because he hasn't even played for them. Pretty much, he immediately went on IR. He might make an appearance in the playoffs, but it doesn't seem like he's going to, and he's going to be a free agent next year. 
So that was mm-hmm. definitely a huge win. Roquan Smith has been a good player. And I think that's what we all knew is that Roquan Smith is a good player, good all-pro player. Um, he needs a good defense around him to showcase those talents consistently because he is not the most consistent. But when he, you know, reads something right, he blows it up immediately. And, you know, that's why he got that all-pro honor. He's a great player. Roquan Smith is a great player. Roquan Smith also just got twenty over $20 million a year being an off-the-ball linebacker, which, you know, is a contract which is very similar to a contract we just got rid of with a player with Khalil Mack, right? Yep. And it's at a position that is a lot less important than the NFL. And even, especially... Matt Eberflus even kind of emphasized that, yes, the the position that Roquan was playing was important, but it's not one of those positions. A position can be important, but you don't need to allocate a ton of draft capital to it. For instance, a kicker is extremely important, but it's not the best idea to draft one in the first round. You can get them, you know? You, you just need to get a guy that matches your scheme more so uh, as far as linebacker goes rather than having a super highly drafted one, high-picked one. And, you know, if there's one guy I'm going to listen to about inside linebackers, it's Matt Eberflus. He came from that inside linebacker background. Uh, He started off as a linebacker coach. He played inside linebacker for Nick Saban. Um, He kind of knows what he needs, and that's a part of the reason we saw Jack Sanborn really take a step forward midseason is because it's not always about having the most athletic guy or having this or having that. Very often times, it's just about having a guy that fits your scheme well, that knows what you want to do and how you want to play. And that's what Jack Sanborn said. Yeah, and I think for the long-term success and sustainability uh, for this franchise, I think that definitely is very confidence-inspiring um, to see that. Because as many system guys in there that you can kind of fill in the complaint impactful role but aren't necessarily obviously a eating up a lot of cap space um, or, you know, requiring a lot of draft capital to go out and acquire. So I think when you can find someone that, you know, isn't requiring either of those two things, i.e., you know, Jack Sanborn, uh, some of the other players that we've seen step up, then, you know, then, then it's a great fit. So I think that ultimately, yeah, I mean, it was, it was like what needed to be done. You know, as much as it sucked, I mean, no one likes, no one enjoyed the 10 game losing streak like watching. I mean, I know you and I both still sat through it, um, you know, wanted to see how the team panned out, wanted to evaluate some of their players that may or may not even be on this roster this year or this coming year. Um, but it's just like, it, it's what had to be done. Like you said, I mean, Roquan Smith, uh, happy for him. He ends up in a better situation for himself anyway. And it's a win-win. Um, and ultimately, I think that mm-hmm. the biggest question mark as far as especially moves that were made in season were was Chase Claypool. And, you know, we still kind of have this next year to figure out, um, you know, how well that's really going to stick. Um, I don't blame see, him. And this is, this, is, this is the move that I think Bears fans, Bears analysts are the most dead wrong about right now. Chase Claypool, Claypool might move? end up being a uh, yeah yeah Chase Claypool might end up being a terrible you know a terrible trade right but I said this on podcast the second he came over I was like don't expect anything from him this season and that is 
the history of in-season moves, especially on offense, specifically at wide receiver. When guys hop into the season, hop into the offense mid-season, don't have a full season to prepare, never played in the team's uh, offense at all to to that point, right? Um, yeah, it's it's not typically the easiest thing to learn right off the bat. Claypool might not end up being. I don't think his intended plan is for him to be a number one. I think he's a really high number two. But he has a ton of upside. He's going to learn the offense. He's going to get a lot more action. And also on top of that, just think of how long it took Luke Getze to figure out some of the players on this offense, right? Specifically, let's yeah. look at Cole Komet, Justin Fields. It, it took some time. Bayless Jones Jr. I'm not going to place all of that on those players, their lack of production preseason. Hell, even Darnell Mooney. I think Getze is still trying to figure out exactly how to implement all the pieces he has. Okay, I think Claypool coming in midseason, not having the time. I'm not even evaluating him yet. You need to wait till next year. And that is just so critical. I, uh, one thing I'll point to, and this is even less of a big gap that happened in very recent memory. Okay, Odell Beckham came from the Browns, who are who is from Kevin Stefanski system, which is, you know, a, a what it's a it's a, it's a Shanahan offense, right? He came yep. from that offense and goes to the Rams with Sean McVay, who has the exact same offense with a little different, a, a few differences that make it the Sean McVay offense, not the Kyle Shanahan offense, right? Um, Odell Beckham, up until I would say the NFC Championship game, did practically nothing for the Rams. <laughs> That's facts. Yeah. Is Odell, and then as soon as things kind of clicked. That's when it picked up, and then people are like, oh, Odell Beckham, is he going to get a huge contract? People were talking about him coming back, even though he has an injury right now. People were saying, you know, he might get a three-year contract, this, this, and that. In-season trades, and I want to emphasize this dramatically, they don't often tend to lead to in-season results. And that's why I thought this trade was well thought out. We got a player that we still have for another year to evaluate, and he's going to be there, right? He's he's a talented player, has a ton of upside, and I think once we figure him out, that's when he'll succeed. I, I think he's going to have a great year next year, especially once we get, uh, hopefully, a wide receiver one, and I think putting him back in that wide receiver two role, I think he's going to really succeed. Yeah, and I think, you know, a little bit of a detour as far as what we're talking about with this you know, season in review or a reflection of the season. But I I, I think the Bears fans are going to be upset with polls again as far as what he does at this wide receiver position. I, I'm not yeah. sold that they're going to go out and really make this huge move to get like a true wide receiver one, you know, because there's, there's, think... there's nobody. <laughs> there's well, nobody. Yeah, I mean, unless you draft especially... them high up. <laughs> Yeah, especially free agency, but I'm yeah, I'm definitely even still leaning towards a draft. I'm not discounting it. The Bears might draft, especially with, you know, and we definitely plan to get into this on a uh, on our following our next podcast episode talking about, you know, or really going into, you know, who could we trade back and target specific players in the draft, you know, things like that, compensation. 
you know, and I, I think that, you know, certainly as a trade back target, maybe you fall right into the zone of, of some of these great wide receivers that are in this class um, or kind of the top few great ones. It's not the, the absolutely best wide receiver class that we've seen. Um, but I, I think that you know, polls is I don't think he's absolutely jumping at the, whatever opportunity to get a clear cut wide receiver one, be it already in the league or, or someone that's coming in through the draft. Like, I just don't believe it. I think that with, you know, obviously getting Mooney back healthy is going to be part of it. Um, but with that Claypool, I, I don't think, especially after how Valus Jones kind of recovered the season as bad as it started, recovered the season in the last few weeks. Um, he played extremely well. Yeah. And, and played you know, phenomenal, made one of the better catches of the year, actually um, started to kind of come into his own route running as well and, and play better on special teams. So I think that with that in consideration with Claypool, you know, Mooney, um, you know, I think they're obviously going to retain Valus Jones. And if they look to add another piece, I'm not sold that that piece is going to be like a clear cut wide receiver one. I think they're just kind of going with a committee type approach for better or for worse. Um, and I think that the main overhaul is probably going to happen along the offensive line, but definitely, I think as a bears fan, I'd just say, you know, temper your expectations. You know, I don't know if, you know, if some of these, some of these names I've heard floated out, I don't know if it's going to necessarily stick. Well, I mean, think of where Getsy also came from green Bay. Sure. They had Devonte Adams, but they've kind of seemed to be a lot like pretty happy with at least this season, and, and you know, actually through all years, not bringing in high-end wide receiver talent. And it's because, in actuality, the Shanahan offense, yes, it does help to have a, a major wide receiver one. Every offense can help with that. You know, having that in any offense is beneficial. But it's not necessary in this offense. And that's why we saw this offense wasn't a complete train wreck, wreck even though we didn't have a wide receiver one. Because... Just the in the Shanahan offense, everything is so coordinated and so intentional that you don't necessarily need a player that one specific player that is just that crazy guy. Now, that being said, the Bears are still looking for that guy. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I'm going to say this I think that if the Bears end up getting a wide receiver one, or, or one that's like a like a you know I guess a game changer. It's going to be through either two methods. There's no one in free agency, so let's just put that away. I mean, they might go <laughs> half in and get an Alan Lazard, and and you know I could totally see that. I mean that that is something a hundred percent on the table right now. So so let's not pretend yeah. it isn't. Okay. Um, but it's either going to be through acquiring a second first round pick in our trade this year, specifically looking at Houston. And we're, we'll get into this later. I don't want to talk too much about the trades yet that we could have with this number one overall pick um, with specifically getting another first overall or sorry, first round pick or through a trade. And there are some good guys in the trade market specifically. Um, uh, oh my God. Why? Why? Hopkins. I don't know why. I, can, I was going to say DeAndre Houston Carson. I'm like, that's not right. What a player. <laughs> Put him at wide receiver. Um, and I think that's an option. And I think that'll be something that'll be explored. 
unless the, polls won't make the move unless it's a fair value. And I think the fair value is a second round pick or less, which by the way, the Cardinals traded for, uh, almost said Carson Hopkins with uh, a second round pick. It didn't take a first round pick. And specifically given his age, I think you, the max you can really give up is a second round pick. So yeah, I, I would really say you're looking at him. Um, and that's about it on the trade market right now. There's not a whole bunch of, you know, really good players. People want to say T Higgins. I don't think the Bengals are interested in trading T Higgins right now. I think they, they really want to win with this team. And I don't, I think they'll give him a contract. People are like, Oh, he's not going to get a contract. I mean, they still have a a ton of uh, years on Jamar Chase rookie deal. I don't know why they wouldn't give T Higgins a contract. Look at this. This is the way I look at it. T Higgins, great player, great receiver. And, And, could be a wide receiver one on some teams. To me, that's just like the people that are really sold on the T Higgins idea, especially like at, you know through the trade route, which is what it would have to be. But like I, I think that it's for the people that that view the Chase Claypool trade as a loss. There's no way that you can you can package that T Higgins trade and not call it the same way. Yeah. There's no way you can. And that's how I feel people when people talk about us, about us trading with the Colts down and and we're we're talking about um Michael Pittman Jr. Listen, I'm a huge Michael Pittman fan, huge USC fan. Worked for the program while, while Michael Pittman was there. I think that's another half measure. <laughs> like I, yeah. he's great, don't get me wrong, he, he's been very productive, but he falls more along the lines of a 20, you know, 2019, 2020 Allen Robinson than he does a DeAndre Hopkins in his prime, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's just be honest here. Um, and, like, then we're talking about having three wide receivers. You're not sure if any of them are, like, game changers. Darnell Mooney, uh, Chase Claypool, Michael Pim Jr., and they're all going to need contracts. So what are you going to do? Pay all of them? No, you're not. So you're going to have to lose one of them. And that just doesn't make sense to me. I think what makes the most sense is to draft some wide receivers, specifically if you can get a second first round pick. If you if you move down with the if you move with the Texans and you can also acquire their 12th overall pick, grabbing, you know, a guy like Jordan Addison or whatever, that makes the most sense because then you can also pay Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool without feeling like you're over allocating assets um, to wide receiver. So that that's my take on it. I But I do agree with you, Reese, that I, I think a lot of Bears fans might be like a little disappointed with how things go down. Yeah, and I think that too, like I said, and, and like we both said, the options are wide open. They could, you know, in a trade-back situation, they could go with a wide receiver in the first round. But I'm not surprised, you know, if the Bears are kind of just, like, lurking there, you know. They pick a wide receiver in the draft, you know. It's like Rashi Rice, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, that's kind Which of where I'm a huge fan, I'm by ex- the way, but yeah. What? I'm a huge fan of him, too, Rashi Rice. But yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. It's, it's not what the fans would love. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they're going to be blowing the doors off of it. And, you know, when we kind of talked about the Shanahan offense, too, I think that I've, I've seen a few people talking about it, but really not that heavily. 
I'm not surprised if like wide receiver, if an equally as big within the administration, an equally as big priority heading into this next offseason is to get another tight end. And no one's talking mm. about that. You know? But I think yeah. getting a second tight end, especially that complements the skill set of Cole Komet, because I, I'm not gonna lie, like that stretch that Cole Komet had sold me on him a little bit. You know, I sold me on him a bit. I was I've had my fair share of criticism for Cole Komet. I still don't think that he's gonna be one of these elite tight ends, but I think he's at least proven that he can be a consistent performer. Um, his hands have become more reliable. And, you know, he still has some big play ability. He broke off some big plays this year. So he's not just kind of like a boring tight end. But I think, you know, going out there and getting another tight end, I'm not sure who. I'm just throwing it out there. I think it could be, you know, something that the Bears end up targeting, going for, looking for at some point. Um, so that's what, like, I was kind of saying. <laughs> um and, you know, we talked about Pittman, you know, with the Colts. It was like, you know, Jelani Woods, you know, mm-hmm. is he someone that obviously you're not taking him as like the same amount of worth as a Michael Pittman. But, you know, in a trade package with the Colts, maybe he's someone that you consider. Bring but, him in. Yeah. We could go down that rabbit hole forever. Um, you, you know, this Bears can, team is missing that like Jimmy Graham presence on on the edge you what's know, jimmy graham doing like jimmy what's he doing yeah. <laughs> bring him back <laughs> flying helicopters or whatever right um yeah so like you know we are missing that like that's the one thing with Komet is despite his size he still is more of a receiving type you know he's good at blocking good at receiving has actually become pretty good in the red zone, but not in the way that a typical tight end is used, more like a wide receiver in the end zone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, go ahead. try. I'm, I could see them looking at being super intrigued by pairing, you know, Darnell Washington with Cole Komet and then having Justin Fields. And then you have a pretty good, you know, duo of tight ends there. And also Trevon Wesco was really good as far as a blocker and leaking out as well this year. So I'm happy we have him too. Um, but yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, you know, there, the issue is, is like when you think about it, this bears team has so many needs in so many places. It wouldn't make sense right now in my eyes to dedicate our first round pick to a wide receiver or anything like that. Obviously it would come in a trade down. Um, cause you're not going to take a wide receiver first overall, though. I would love to see <laughs> just the shock of us picking like, you know, Quentin Johnston <laughs> first oh, overall yeah. or something, something like that. Um, but <laughs> that's not going to happen. So you don't need to worry. Um, but there's, I mean, let's be honest here. Wide receiver and, and tight end in general are kind of more finalizing pieces on a roster yep. when you add them, you know, they kind of are the, are the finishing touches, if you will, you need a good foundation there. And there's just a lot of spots right now. Where, and, you know, even if we do get a second first round pick, I still think there's no guarantee, even if all the wide receivers are on the board, that they go and take one. Because um, I just, I'm I'm iffy on these wide receivers this year, to be honest. And I think there are, at least through the second round, there's a lot of depth right there. You know, once you yeah. start to get the later rounds, you, you lose out on it. But through the second round, there's still going to be some damn good wide receivers on the board. The draft really spoiled and I think kind of tainted 
uh, I think our visions of a wide receiver prospect over the past couple of years, just because, um, I mean, really the two LSU receivers, you know, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, they've really skewed the whole vision, you know, because ultimately that's what you're looking yep. for. You're looking for, oh man, he's big, he's fast, he can run routes well. Well, I mean, how can you go wrong? And it's just like year in, year out, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get that. You know, all these top. There's no perfect prospect this year. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not necessarily. I think that, um, yeah, there's no perfect prospect. I don't think it's like last year quite where it's like, okay, it's 1A, 1B with Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. It's a little bit of that feel. I think that these two players are a bit of a step I've been up. at as wide much, receiver it, mostly. As much, but, oh, you're talking about wide receiver mostly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, still, though, as a whole, I think that, like, you know, as much of a Michigan fan as I am, like, I, I think Will Anderson, Jalen Carter are a step up from from what we had last year as far as, like, okay, these are your top two options, you know, both defensive line guys. Um, so I think that, you know, there are some, some bona fide talents. But, yeah, no one is absolutely sprinting up to the podium yet. Because we haven't, we're just barely starting this whole draft cycle. The Senior Bowl is is just, we're just starting to talk about it. Um, but yeah, there's no one that anyone is quite running up to the to the podium to to get at that number one overall quite yet. All right, let's let's shift a little bit back towards this season because we're gonna have a ton more of this talk if you guys like it. Um, later in the show, two a couple things that we need to talk about: coach and GM, right? I'm going to be honest. So I've actually really grown to like Ryan Poles. I think that I have a lot of confidence as him, of in him as a, as a, as a GM or as a leader for this team. I'm still not a hundred percent certain about Eberflus. You know, I think he clearly embodies what we want and he's clearly a good leader and things on game day as a whole, he built a good staff and things on game day as a whole have been so much more professionally executed than when it was happening with Matt Nagy. Like the bears don't ever just like not show up. They're always, you know, fighting hard in games and, you know, he believed in the mission, but I still like, I mean, I guess, and it's been a little, I guess a little hard to evaluate him just because of how little we have on defense right now, you know, that's his specialty. Right. And with how bad the bears are, like, it's easy to just say, oh, I mean, the defense was bad, but uh, we had nothing really, I guess, when you consider all things. But you, I still would have liked to see more, I guess, this year. Yeah, I think in his defense, it was going to be nearly impossible to please people this year. I mean, just overall with the roster strength, the in-season moves that happened, um, really just kind of the ultimately ever-changing dynamic of the locker room. I mean, Think about some of the early season headlines where it's like this locker room is lost, frustrated type deal, especially with like Roquan after they traded Quinn. It's like, you know, what's going on here? Um, they weathered that storm, which I think was in in Ibraflus's in defense is, is fairly big. He was able to keep everyone, like you said, playing hard even until the last game when there was nothing to play for. Um, they look well-structured and – at some points, the adjustments that were made both in game um, and from week to week and from mini bye weeks and, and bye weeks, it looked like things were actually happening. Things were changing. Adjustments were made. It was clear that, you know, 
they realized there were issues to be worked out. Um, I think the one thing is like, okay, Getsy, you know, as far as members of the staff go, like Getsy, okay, we'll take it. On the defensive side, when we're talking about Allen Williams, like, yeah. Getsy needs to grow some balls. Let's be honest yeah. here. Like the second he, we get, we got a lead, he'd blow it away. And at times it felt intentional, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I that That is my biggest concern with him as an offense coordinator, and I hope he goes through. But just the second we got a lead, it just the offense yeah. became terrible. Yeah, and I just – what I was kind of trying to hit on is, especially when I brought up the you know, defensive coordinator, is like, especially as a first-time head coach, it's just like refining his staff, you know. Um, and I don't think there's going to be any major overhaul along the, the coaching staff. But I, I really hope that Eberflus, you know, really has, you know, his eyes, you know, eyes open and paying attention to what's going along the league. Where if there are areas of opportunity to bring in coaches that are going to be a step up, and I'm not talking about gutsy, like I'm obviously not, I'm not talking about throwing away like any offensive chemistry that they've already built, things like that. But along the rest of the coaching staff, if there are opportunities to improve, I hope that he pounces on them and takes them and, and makes some changes in, in the coaching staff. Because things work specifically. Yeah. And that's really kind of what I'm trying to hint at here is like, I just, there's a lot of teams in the NFL that are, are kind of playing defense the way that the bears are. We've really developed and dropped back into this whole shell coverage thing. Again, we don't want to get burnt by big plays. We'll let you march it down the field. And ultimately in the NFL, a win these days is, is, forcing a team to a field goal let's be honest um even with how bad scoring was and (laughs) this year in the league like you know holding to a team to a field goal is not bad um it's just like eh, there's still more to be desired and i get that the roster was terrible so we'll see ultimately what they do i I, i'm kind of like in your shoes like i'm happy with the job that ryan poles does did um and has been doing iberflus you know, maybe there's still a little bit of questions there, um, but we'll figure you're at least going to need this upcoming season at least to, to really get any kind of fair evaluation on them. Um, but well, yeah, if I had to with, say, I, with, I'm definitely more confident in the upper management polls and Ian Cunningham than I am in, in Iberflus and the current coaching staff. And Alan Williams gets the same, you know, pass as – Eberflus as well because of how much we tore down the defense. So there, I, I don't expect there to be a move. Truthfully, I think this coaching staff will remain the same. Um, but the the main reason why I kind of look at him is because there was a few times, especially late in the season, when the Bears were winning games, where they would just come out with a defensive play call and like a key third down or fourth down, and you'd just be like, what are you doing? Like specifically – I think it was the Eagles game where um, the they brisk, went to the a blitz. zero blitz. Yeah, a zero <laughs> blitz when there there was like 10 yards to the first down that led to just a simple touch. I mean, stuff like that, you're just like, dude, what? And that was kind of something I noticed throughout the year where it was like in speci- the situational play calling, Yes, I, I was just not a fan of. That being yes. said, luckily, we have a defensive head coach. <laughs> so if we did, he could take over that play calling responsibility. But yeah, I mean, like for instance, Lovey Smith is out there right now, and and you know, I I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I would love if he'd come back and be our defense coordinator <laughs> over Allen Williams, right? 
Uh, but I don't yeah. foresee that happening. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, there's certainly changes that could be made. Um, maybe they're not incredibly likely, but I was just laughing about the, the zero blitz because that was the exact play that, that came into my mind. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that was just like, what are worst. you doing? And I know too, that was kind of like, I think Brisker said he went to the wrong gap or at least that's what we all kind of assume, but man, still, so. still not a great play call given that situation, but you know, it's football. Bad calls happen. Um, that one just seemed to be particularly bad. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's move on. Uh, Kevin Warren, uh, he just got announced as the Bears CEO. So many so many Bears fans are embracing Ted Phillips. The accountant is finally gone. Um, and before we get Rejoice. into it, I just got I just got to say, like, uh, I... I you know, Bill McCaskey. Wait, am I am I even saying his name right? It's Bill, right? Mm, I'm not positive that you're right right now. Oh my god, dude! This is like the one thing we should know. Pretty sure it's George Bears. George, you're absolutely right. I don't know why I keep. Well, I was thinking Bill. Uh, I was thinking that Bill Polian. That's why. <laughs> that's what was in the back of my head. George McCaskey, excuse us. You know, I kind of want to cut you. that out, but we're just going to leave it in. Yeah, excuse me, <laughs> I should say. Uh, George McCaskey just i I feel like he's just one of the most like unlikable characters as an owner. Um, he has this like dry sense of humor, which is just it doesn't sit well. I think with a lot of Bears fans, considering how poor performing this Bears team has been. And like also just even going back to last year when we were starting over, we fired the GM and the coach, started from new, and he did that press conference. I'm sure you remember this because covering yes. it, it was just like, what are you like from a from like a kind of like what you're saying with Aaron Rodgers, which is like he just gives the media so much to dislike. And yeah. like it may if they're winning, maybe this like confident, dry humor would be funny, but like when you're a losing organization and not living up to expectations, it just sounds very bad. That being said, I am super excited for this Kevin Warren signing or hiring, I should say, um, because we finally have a football guy in the office. You know, he, he won a Super Bowl, uh, with the Rams, um, Back in Way like, back I think it was like 2001. When. Yeah, like a long time ago. Um, and then he also was a part of the Vikings organization, helped them build that um, build that awesome stadium. They have their U.S. Bank Stadium, which is a stunning stadium and one of the best in the league. I've never been, but I've heard rave reviews from everyone that's ever been there. Um, and, you know, that's what he's going to mostly come here to do. He's going to mostly come here to build our stadium, yeah. um, improve the business operations. Don't get that wrong, but... It does feel good that the Bears finally, God forbid, Ryan Poles isn't the guy because that's going to set this franchise back another freaking seven years, right? But God forbid he isn't the guy. If he isn't or when he becomes not the guy, you finally have someone in that's leading the organization that you feel like gets it, right? <laughs> like understands yeah, yeah. football. So you might not need to go to... You know, Bill Polian, who 
let's be honest. When when I think he, they ended up doing a good job with with polls, but he left he left the league at a very different time than when he made that when he helped make that decision for the Bears. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it brings me comfort. I should say. Let me tell you this, Austin. I'll tell you what. I'll give you the the real Chicago media kind of beat on this that I've been kind of tuned into the past couple of days. And when I tell you, and this is going to come as a shock, especially for an upper manager of the Bears, that one of the fundamental concerns about Kevin Warren is how long that he'll stay before he might, because there's kind of the rumor that's flowing around there, ends up becoming the next potential commissioner of the NFL. Honestly, that's what people are talking about. Um, and that's one of the main concerns. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's really... Um, the way it is, I mean, obviously he goes out there and he makes some pretty splash moves. What he did with the big 10, um, obviously quite notable bringing in, you know, UFC and UCLA getting a massive, just massive TV rights deal to go along with that. Um, and then also, like you said, what he's done with, you know, other football franchises was previously with the Vikings, um, way back when with, uh, the greatest show on turf uh, with the Rams was involved in that. And even way back started, I was like an agent for, I forgot which particular player was actually on the bears at the time. Um, so yeah, quite the track record, uh, quite the businessman. Um, and he kind of just came out there and said it like, you know, Arlington Heights is the deal. Uh, so I think that pretty much takes all of the uh, soldier field uh, renovations and all that kind of out of the picture. Um, he is taking these, uh, I mean, he went and before he even got the job, um, he looked at Arlington park, kind of like scoped it out, just saw what he saw, just kind of starting to get those gears turning in his head. Um, and he's all about it. So it looks like that is really where he is going to devote a lot of, a lot of his attention, a lot of his resources, um, and almost equally as big as what the bears are doing on the football field and the football operations side is really this kind of next stadium move. I mean, this is going to be huge for the franchise. Like you said, has been family run. Thank goodness that they went outside of kind of like the family and the family friends for this hire. They finally got an outside guy that had been with different organizations. Um, and he's going to lead this team ultimately into the modern year of the NFL, um, as weird as it sounds. So, um, I think honestly, I think it was a, a great hire. Um, I would be shocked if I'm wrong. Of course, you know, nothing is ever certain. Um, but the way it seems that he's really going to try to get out in front of these issues. Um, he has, like you said, I think what's instrumental to this is what he did with us bank stadium in Minneapolis. Um, he said in like his press conference kind of joked around saying that he still kind of kept the blueprints and the plans and said that he's kind of just like a stadium nerd. So sounds like he's going to have a lot of fun, um, with the resources that he has at his fingertips and hopefully is going to make the absolute best out of it. Yeah. And I think all those things that you're saying are exactly right. Like Kevin Warren has not been afraid to use certain positions as stepping stones. Right. And, you know, I don't know about Roger Goodell's future, but I know that I, I, I could see it coming soon, you know, him stepping down. Uh, and, and, you know, Warren is well liked a lot in inner circles and has a ton, as you were saying, going back to his agency days, 
a ton of connections throughout the NFL. And a lot of people are like, oh, why would you leave Big Ten Commissioner? Because, you know, being the Big Ten Commissioner is kind of a destination job. And, um, you know, I think the Bears are a unique franchise in the sense that you don't necessarily have to win to have job stability, A, right? And I think that was displayed through Ted Phillips, right? Um, And B, uh, he he could be looking at higher sites. And I know that he wasn't the most liked individual within the big 10. Like I think him joining like right during COVID was kind of made a negative impact on his reputation there. But I can tell you, yeah, 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 they did because of, uh, you know, canceling the season and everything like that. But apparently they're all good friends now. And this is the other thing that I want to say that I do wonder if his decision had anything or if behind the scenes this has been talked about. I do think that the Bears following the passing of Virginia McCaskey could potentially sell the team to uh, an outside investor. This has been something that's kind of been, you know, talked about for a little bit. And I think Kevin Warren might potentially, you know, have the ability to not only do that, but help broker a deal, which would be huge for his career. Um, and also, you know, who knows if he could potentially get any sort of stake in this or whatever to like, you just, you'd never know. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why you would want to come to the Chicago bears right now. Also the top of it being a founding franchise. And yeah, I, I absolutely could see him becoming the next commissioner. Um, especially because the president of the, at the bears and the CEO ha- is, is a huge deal in the NFL. Yeah. And really too, I mean, you, you kind of were starting to, to at least nudge in that direction is like, as far as the valuation of this team too, I mean, so much of it is going to be on this this new stadium and everything. Not only just oh, the yeah. stadium, all the property that they have. I mean, there's been talks of kind of just turning into like a, you know, like the Bears version of Wrigleyville, at least to a certain extent, you know, have the mm-hmm. bars around by there, have that full game day experience. And that's something that Kevin Warren talked about, too, that was housing. Yeah, and he said it was really important for, you know, building U.S. Bank Stadium is, you know, football is an interesting sport where it can be enjoyed it's great going to an NFL game, um, especially the you know experiences that you and I have had to be able to go to a Bears game before is definitely not something that I'd give up. Um, but at the same time, you know, it can be easily enjoyed from watching at TV in the comfort of your own home. And he talked about kind of having that comfort built out to to the fans and having that be the experience. In many regards, it's better. Right. Oh, exactly. He's trying to make it where it's like fans feel comfortable going to the stadium. It's a relaxing. It's not a taxing experience. Um, and it's not like because NFL games these days are an event. You know, it's as much of what happens on the field as what happens in the stadium and what happens, you know, in the stadium, everything building up to it, tailgating, everything like that. Um, so it's just maximizing that and making sure fans have the best experience possible. Um, and I think Kevin Warren's going to make sure that he does that. And I think in turn, in not only the property that they have, but their new stadium that they're going to own, that they're going to be able to do events out of, um, is going to really mm-hmm. help just shoot up the value of the Chicago Bears. Um, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest, it'll it'll double the valuation. It's yeah, likely, I, it likely, yeah. And 
another thing that I think people don't think about is it's not always about, you know, hosting the Super Bowl or, you know, even like sometimes we'll even play like, uh, you know, a hockey game at a football field, right? Like the winter classic, except that's, you know, an outdoor, yeah. you know, event, but, but you get what I'm saying. There, there's different events, but it's concerts, right? And that's okay. That's another level. A lot of people know about, oh, you can do concerts, this, this, and that. Yeah. But after concerts, you know what it is? <laughs> it's corporate events. A lot of fields like Dallas does corporate events. SoFi Stadium does a lot of corporate events where companies will rent out the place and have a dinner on the field because it's cool. And let me tell you this, no no corporate events happen at Soldier <laughs> Field, right? Yeah. Especially not in December. Right, <laughs> right. So it, it opens you up to a lot of new possibilities, especially because like there's been talk of the combine potentially starting to shift locations and, you know, the, all these different bowl games that you could potentially, you know, potentially have football games, this, this, and that. Um, it's a big adventure and it's a very profitable one too. Owning your own stadium is, is huge in the NFL. And the fact that the bears have even been able to be one of the top <laughs> valuated franchises without owning their own stadium is insane. It would yeah. not surprise me if after the stadium is built, I mean, they're going to be right there with Dallas in, in valuation. It's going to be a huge venture, especially with how much is going to develop around that area. You know, Arlington Heights is a developed area, but you know, everyone that's been to Arlington Heights, you know, there's also a lot of land available, you know, and if the bears start getting into that investing, you know, they, this could be even bigger than Wrigleyville. The, the amount of property control that could be owned by this franchise is huge. And if the bears decide to sell the franchise, which, you know, I think is a possibility. Um, it's, it's, they're, they're going to be lining, you know, their generations pockets for years and years to come. Right. Yeah. Most <laughs> definitely. Most definitely. Um, all right, but let's let's go ahead and move on. Let's just talk a little bit more about the number one overall pick because um, this is the biggest story of the season, story of the decade. Man, I, I can't story of the decade. Yeah, 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 exactly. Story of the decade because there's so much possibility, and I think the Bears benefit from a quarterback draft class. That's you know the top candidate is pretty damn good and people some people will see as like a potential I, I don't think anyone sees Bryce Young as a generational talent but like he's probably going to be pretty damn good in the NFL yeah. Uh, yeah and there's kind of a big drop off after that you know I, I don't know about you but I'm not a big CJ Stroud people are trying to talk up Will Levis I I don't I don't yeah. think he's going to do much in the NFL either I think there's a big drop off um, that being said, I still think that the top two picks are going to be quarterbacks. Um, I'm not sure who will be that second one, likely Stroud, but you know, yeah, I, I think the one thing that I'm holding my breath on CJ Stroud about is just that Justin Herbert effect. You know, I feel like he's yeah. kind of the quarterback prospect that I, I, I want to overlook. I want to think that, you know, he's got some chinks in his armor. This is someone that's been very successful at the college level has put up some insane stats, um, and has, you know, been successful seasons. Now, of course, Ohio State and their fans will be the first ones to tell you have unreal expectations. They have Alabama-type expectations. Um, so they wouldn't necessarily view the past couple of seasons as a major success uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, but someone that has, at a legendary program, had historic numbers, um, and also, I mean, just visually, you know, it 
visually the offense looks nice. Now, of course, there's kind of the whole thing behind Ohio State quarterbacks, and we had to go through that with Justin Fields a little bit, and, and C.J. Stroud is definitely a different type of quarterback. Um, I think that he's solid. I, I think that I, I believe, to me, it's Bryce Young, one, uh, C.J. Stroud, two, and then Will Levis. I'm not as much as a believer. Yeah. Um, and then there's going to be some people that are really trying to, to blow up you know, Anthony Richardson. So there, there's there's yeah. some levels to that. And I know that you're going to discount that. I, I think it might be mainly a media and fan type thing for Anthony Richardson. Um, but sometimes things do just shock you. And, and sometimes things end how you expect, which is kind of like a little bit like the Malik Willis last year. People are like, oh, Malik Willis is going to go top 10 and ends up getting picked in the third round. Um, so the drafts, especially yeah. with the way the media That's is That's the today, exact example I was going to bring up. Yeah, tough to read, tough to read. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the Malik Willis is 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 the key thing where I'm like, yeah, you know, traits can only get you so far. Now, I think Anthony Richardson is still a lot better than Malik Willis ever was um at Liberty, but I still <laughs> think there's that concern. I could see him still being a first round pick, but it would really surprise me. It would really shock me if he's a top 15 pick. Um, that being said, I think a lot of people will hate on me for this, but if Kenny Pickett can go in the top 32, I think Anthony Richardson for sure can hold the phone. Uh, There's been worse quarterback from his own school. Yeah. Go in the first round, which I know college legend that not, not many people can have a college resume that goes against his, but we knew it wasn't going to translate to the pro game. If he can go in the first round. Yes. The possibilities are open. Johnny Manziel. (laughs) Johnny Manziel, you know, there's there's been crazier quarterbacks to go in the first round. Like, I mean, let's look back at uh, <laughs> who was the dude that <laughs> the Broncos drafted in the first round that Paxton never Lynch. even like played Paxton Lynch. Yeah. If he can go in the first round, then yeah, De- Anthony Richardson can certainly can. So I think Anthony Richardson will end up going in the first round, but. I don't think he's going to be a top 10 pick. I'd be pretty surprised if he's a top 10, top 15 guy. Maybe a team will just, I mean, a team like maybe the Panthers will be extremely desperate. Um, who, by the way, could have just drafted Justin Fields, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, and that's actually a video I want to do. It's like everything that led up to the Bears getting Justin Fields, because by all accounts, it was a miracle that we got him. Um, Facts, and I still yeah. like, thank thank god right <laughs> this franchise would be awful if we did not have him um but uh like yeah i i think he'll be fine but my bigger point is is like bryce young is by far and away and, and i think most teams will view it like this the best quarterback in this draft yeah. people are like oh the size concerns i i mean sure i i think there's very few teams that are gonna like make that a big deal, especially with the success of quarterbacks that have been much shorter than him as of recent memory. Um, so yeah, I think that teams are going to, are going to try to go get them. Um, the question is, what do we do with that pick? Like how far down do we want to trade down? Um, who are on the board to trade with them? You know, I'll, I'll just give my, who I think my most likely destination that first pick goes to. And I think that's the Colts, right? I think the Colts are going to, sell their franchise for this pick truthfully um like i i don't even think getting a potential player like quentin nelson 
as a, in a trade package is crazy. I, I think that would be on the table for them. Um, DeForest Buckner, I think as far as players go, the Colts have a lot the Bears would like. DeForest Buckner, a huge need on this team. Someone Matt Eberflus is a huge fan of. Or Shaq Leonard. You know, these guys that are that are Eberflus guys too. Um, I, I think that they would absolutely be guys that the Bears would look to add. Um, the question is, are they... The question is like, do you want to move down to four and then not have your pick at the top player? Uh, whereas maybe you can move down with the Texans and just like walk away with their 12th pick, which I think is, I I think people are like, oh, it's not going to take that much for the Texans to move up to one. Yes, it will. Because other teams are going to give up a lot. Yeah. Right. And f- at least for me, I think my evaluation of Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are fairly similar and I'm okay with letting the Cardinals pick who they want out of that and just taking the, you know, the guy after that. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, to go off what you're saying, I think the absolute dream scenario, right, is Houston. Because <laughs> then you get the the opportunity to maybe do a double trade back type deal. Um, I think the Colts, yep. the Colts is definitely right where it opens up, where it seems like there's already been a lot of connections made back and forth. Um, so it's looking like maybe... Hopefully, that's a likely spot. Let me tell you this, though. Let me tell you this. Uh, just looking at the draft order, I think, obviously, like the Falcons at eight, I, at eight oh, yeah. are an interesting team. What are you going to say? Okay. Oh, I, thought, I, I thought I knew who you were going to say, but I don't. Okay. I was wrong. No, well, you might with the next team, the New York Jets. Nope. Still, still got that one wrong. Who did you think I was going to say? I was going to say the the Panthers offer a very intriguing opportunity because I think you could get Brian Burns in return for a trade down. Yeah, you're looking at really at like the the player personnel level, which is great. <laughs> I'm just like I'm going off like instinct and just like weird things and like honestly, I could see there's a few teams even back. You know, I think that the Jets are probably farther than you want to go, but there's an opportunity that a team like the Jets yeah. decides to go ahead and put together a package, you know. That like maybe you just get an absolute the Fal- and the Falcons do offer a good opportunity because you could probably get one of those young players either like Drake London or Kyle Pitts in that in that trade. They're gonna have to give up some, some- if you come down from two. Yeah, they're gonna have to give up something, and you know they're not really a team that's just absolutely rolling in in assets, um, especially that are currently on their roster. So. I think that there's so many interesting options. I mean, really, like the world is is the Bears' oyster. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely some QB needy teams that are are you know maybe they're not going to be looking to give up quite the haul to get that number one overall pick. Maybe they're trying to think like, hey, maybe we're a team that can go ahead and try to get C.J. Stroud or, or Will Levis. You know, maybe that seems like the more um, obtainable target. Uh, but I think there's definitely a market, you know, for the Bears, um, and I, it's gonna be so exciting. I mean, that's what really makes this offseason incredible to go along with the, yeah. the most amount of money in free agency, um, which we're gonna have to spend some of it. So there's just so much to be enthralled about. But yeah, I think, you know, I look at teams or even like the Raiders too. Like, what are the Raiders gonna do, man? Yeah. And, and, oh, they need a quarterback. Yeah, they're gonna try to get up too. Yeah, and unless they go and get Brady, if that's really what they're gonna go ahead and settle on, but 
I mean, I think the more responsible choice would be to kind of get someone that you can actually have a long-term future with. But, hey, it's the Raiders. So, I mean, yeah, they're a little unpredictable. You never know. Yeah. but Also, I- Lamar Jackson and Derek, Derek Carr. Where's Derek Carr going to go? I could see Derek Carr just end up at Houston and Houston not draft the quarterback because you have to think like the, I, I, in my head, I feel like Derek Carr to the Colts would make a lot of sense, but I think they're done trying to do this like yeah. repackage an old vet QB situation. You know, it hasn't worked out to this point. Um, I mean, who could have predict that? Not the bare necessities podcast who said that a thousand different <laughs> times this preseason that, that Matt Ryan is going to work out there. Um, man, maybe we should be the GM there, but that's why I just think the Colts are the most desperate and I'm, I don't know. I'm interested to see if Houston would be willing to just let the draft come to them and just either, you know, get Derek Carr or, or like just draft whoever the leftover is like, that's a huge aspect that we're not accounting for. And my question is, even if we sell the first overall pick back to Houston, um, A, what would the return be? I think it would be another first round pick still. I like people are saying, yeah. oh, two the Bears going three to two. No, this is not a Mitch Trubisky situation. This is there's a lot of teams in division too. The Colts. The Colts are in division. Like who right. if the- either of those teams have a huge huge evaluation on Bryce Young. They're not going to want to see it go to the other guy. So we're talking about a bidding war. Like imagine if the Bears and the Packers were in a bidding war for a quarterback. That's going to get a little out of control. So I think it's a first round pick. Wouldn't you think? I would think so. Yeah. This is, if not more. And the, 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 the second thing is if we do trade it to Houston, do other teams have a good enough evaluation on CJ Stroud to want to do another trade up with us? Or are they willing to yeah. let the draft board kind of play out? My line of thinking is just like this draft is so beneficial for the Bears because what's what's really like working in their favor here? First off, the Bears have like an infinite amount of needs that it seems, right? Like there's there's only a few positions that you can really say like the bears don't need help at this. So they're almost always in a situation in this draft where they're selecting best player available. So first off, that's a great thing. Now I think one of the major needs for the bears, obviously, especially on the defensive side is that edge. Um, and that's why someone like Will Anderson is, is super appealing, but Austin, what round do you think that like in this draft that you can, you can still pick up a quality edge rusher in this draft. I just want to off the top. I just want to hear what you think. Round two, Felix, a new Dyke Uzoma, I think is going to be a stud. I think he's going to go in round two. Um, I'm thinking like round like, three. Here's the thing. I mean, who you think's going there? I mean, like I, like, I mean, I guess you, you could get some good interior players, but I'm just, I'm, I'm worried that just the 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 amount of need at that position and let me, let me be honest, I don't think there's that many good free agents at that edge position either. Right. Like I really don't. Um so that also complicates that, but I will say that this is a deeper class for edge. And I think there's like some really solid players that you know 
if they turned out better than some of the guys that go in round one, maybe I, I, I think that's on the table. I, and I, this is what like I'm thinking too, like along the lines of players. And this is why I said like round three, maybe not as like your, your like keystone edge rusher, you know, as your like top of the line guy, that's always leading you in sacks. But the fact that you can go into like round three and a player like Mike Morris is projected there. Like you got a pretty good class. <laughs> yeah, he's you a know? stud. It's like is he, he did he declare officially? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I I don't think there's really. I any, think he did. I think like I think that he's like almost definitely going in. I don't think that he's. I don't think there's any chance of him staying. Is okay, basically yeah. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. Um. Yeah, man, it's it's interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see play out, and I like I'm interested to you, Reese. Like, if the Panthers are there at nine, and let's just say you trade the first pick to Houston, and then you you're at that second pick, and the Panthers at nine are trying to trade up, and they put Burns in some sort of package, would you be willing to pass on Will Anderson for Burns plus the Panthers nine? Yeah. Or Jalen Carter, I should say. Yeah. I am, yeah. Yeah, I, f- I feel like Burns is is a it, he's a, a franchise pass rusher. You know, I think he's good enough to be that guy. And I man, it would well, be difficult, nine, but I and, and, and they had another one too. I mean, like Will Anderson yeah. I do think is a step above like the rest of the class, but like there's so many in this class. I just can't believe yeah. it. I mean, there's so many good ones. And like you said, like maybe it dilutes it a little bit, but I think the scouting on these guys is that they're not really artificially inflated. They're not necessarily going to be ranked higher up on boards just because um just because like other position groupings are weaker. I think that like oh, this class is legitimately strong. I think we're going to look back at it and and look at it as a strong edge class too, not just anticipating it. So I think that that's what makes the trade back so strong in this situation, especially at nine. Like at nine, you're still picking a high quality player. The other thing is, is that I think Will Anderson is the safe, one of the safest prospects in the draft, but I don't necessarily, he's not like a miles Garrett. No, he's Joey Bosa, right? He's Joey Bosa. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's more aligned with Joey Bosa than he is like a Miles Garrett. So I think there's, or even Nick Bosa. Like I think even though they're both great pass rushers, I don't know if he has that that ceiling that a lot of people expect out of that pick. Whereas I think Jalen Carter has that Aaron Donald like ceiling, but I, for me at least, like. I have a lot of concerns with Jalen Carter, especially the way in certain games where he just seems to disappear completely, um, specifically when double teamed. I think Jalen Carter shows the most flash out of any prospect in this draft, if I'm being completely honest. like I think he has the highest upside out of any prospect at any position in this draft. But I have a lot of concerns about the downside because there's, there's a downside there. And I just want to know, like, right now, let's say 
we we just trade with the Texans back because there there is going to be a trade back. <laughs> the Bears will not pick at one. I would be, I would bet my life savings the Bears do not pick at one. And I think even Ryan Pohl has kind of alluded that you know draft trades will probably pick up over the next couple of weeks about what they're going to be doing with that pick because I I would almost guarantee you right now that the pick will not belong to the Bears come draft day, maybe not even a week before draft day. Like I think this is mm-hmm. going to be a trade that that is executed pretty soon because the Bears are going to want to move forward and other teams too. Other teams are going to want to know what they have in the draft in exactly. order so they can start building their draft boards. Yep. So let's just say the, the trade happens, yada, yada, yada. You're at two. Are you picking Will Anderson or Jalen Carter right now? I'm picking Will Anderson. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I there was an argument I saw a, a YouTuber make where he was like, um, it would shock me if Will Anderson was ever considered to be the best edge rusher in the past decade. But it wouldn't surprise me if Jalen Carter was the best defensive tackle over the past decade. And I get that upside argument but to me I just feel like Will Anderson will at minimum be a Joey Bosa in that and also like just Nick Saban says he's his favorite player he's ever coached right like he has like the attitude that it's always talked about like the Will Anderson like method like he has an infectious leadership ability like all these different things I don't Will Anderson I can almost guarantee will not be a bust. Jalen Carter, I don't know, man. Jalen Carter could be a bust. Let's be honest here. But he does offer that higher upside, but I'm still going Will Anderson. Yeah, and I think in that situation too, if we're talking about realistic, who the Bears pick up, I think it's going to be Will Anderson too if they are in that situation. Um, we You already talked yeah. about the the uh, Eberflus saban connection. Eberflus is going to learn everything about him talking to Nick Saban and Nick Saban will sell him <laughs> to Matt Eberflus yeah. and, and to the rest of the Bears management as well. Um, so would not be surprised if that ends up happening. And trust me, I mean, I would be ecstatic to be able to, to welcome Will Anderson onto this team. So that would really be something, but I get exactly what you're saying. And I think that that's kind of the predicament predicament that people are having with, you know, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, um, even though they do play at different positions on the long defensive line or as an edge rusher and an interior defensive lineman. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so much potential. I mean, we could start a new podcast right now and uh, end up, you know, rattling off another hour and 20 minutes, uh, as far as just being able to talk about everything that's going on with the draft. Hey bro, can you hear me? Reese? 
Hey. Hey, let's just let's just finish it on here. Can you just sum up really quickly what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let me see here. I said that really ultimately there's just so many options uh, for the Bears in this draft that you know we could start a whole other podcast right now and go a whole hour twenty. <laughs> yeah, and and that's I'm gonna start recording now. By the way, like this is on the pod. Uh, yeah, and and that's what's so special about this opportunity for the Bears is they really have a lot of flexibility. You know, even people talked about us taking a quarterback. Let me put that. I'm, I mean, let, I'll hear your your opinion, Reese, but I, I can guarantee our fans that that will not be happening. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page because I've heard some horrendous takes. And, you know, again, I from our brief time covering the national, the entire NFL, I can tell you that that is a difficult job. Um, it, it takes a lot of time to really understand every single team, uh, rather than just one team. So I'm not going to speak too largely on national media personalities, especially ones that go across, <laughs> across sports too. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, that, that will not happen. And I think that it's coming from largely uneducated bears fans or uneducated, uh, at least on the bears media personalities, um, or people like LaShawn McCoy who just have no clue what the hell they're talking about. Um, yeah, I, that, that will not be happening. But yeah, and I, I also find it interesting that it seems like a lot of Bears fans think that the Bears will pick Jalen Carter because Eberflus says it's so important to have that you know defensive tackle position. That doesn't necessarily mean he views that position as a, as a top priority in the draft. Like, let me make that clear as well. He also thinks that inside linebacker is a, is a, is a huge need for a team, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be picking one within the top 10. And he said that on record, um, yeah, during the bears press conference. So it's a similar situation there. Um, yeah, I, this is going to be a fun off season. And I, I'm excited for next podcast because, you know, I think we'll really dive deeper into this. But, um, man, this is this is this is huge for the Bears and it will this the decision they make, the decisions they make this spring. And I, I don't I don't mean to be hyperbolic because oftentimes I'm yelling at Bears fans that they're you say oh, this every everything's, offseason. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And we do say it's a crucial offseason every offseason. But I will tell you, if they do things right this offseason, it will impact the Bears for the next decade. And that's super exciting to be a part of. Yeah. No, absolutely no doubt. And, you know, you said get into more. Uh, we're definitely we're gonna tear we're gonna tear this apart. Um, and we're just gonna have to pick what we want to start on first because we got a heap to go over in free agency. We got a heap to go over in draft. Um, so super exciting stuff. Um, you know, one of the best times of the years, especially when you're holding the number one overall pick, got the most cap space, uh, got a fairly new regime and just started off the off season by hiring a new team president and CEO. Uh, you know, some big things are coming along and, uh, man, there's no other place that you're going to be listening to right here. Uh, you know, not to gas ourselves up too much, but I think that we're pretty good in draft prep. Um, you know, we, we do shout out some guys, especially with late round picks that end up do becoming something in the NFL and, uh, not calling myself any kind of scout here, not calling us scouts, but I think you'll want to be, uh, tuned in listening to us and making sure you're getting the, our takes on everything that's going to unfold. 
I mean, if, if our fans want, and a lot of our fans have stuck with us through, you know, our podcast, which uh, unfortunately to this point has been a little bit, you know, turbulent <laughs> at times. Um, but th- that'll, that'll be changing officially soon. And, um, what I will say though, is that we do have a history of being right on a lot of draft draft prospects and our pre post draft, pre draft, draft evaluations, whatever you want to say. Uh, they, they've been correct for the most part. Um, you know, we've hit on some, some guys and we're typically pretty accurate with the rounds that they go in. Um, and, and it's, we, we also tend to, to be a little ahead of the curve of what fans ask for uh, as well. I mean, uh, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to, you know, to our home too much, but, uh, we, we do have a, a history of calling a few things out before they tend to, to really hit mainstream bears. Uh, but, uh, we don't need to get into that. <coughs> Alan Robinson, <laughs> Jordan Howard. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But, well, there's a lot of right. good cases. <laughs> Yeah, those are those are two where we were year, quite frankly, years ahead. All right, now we're getting to the bragging part. But uh, Reese, thanks so much for joining me again. To all of our fans, we're happy to be back, and uh, we're looking forward to putting out another episode for you guys next week. Yeah, absolutely, most definitely. Super stoked, and uh, man, we can get a nice nice bear down for this one. All right, guys, thank you so much. Bear down. Bear down.